At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota. Focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota. And conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the Makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to Makers of Minnesota, and I am here with Robin Frank. And we are delighted to bring you the story of Thumbs Cookies. We talk to a lot of food makers on the Maker Show just because I like it and I think it's interesting and fun. And Robin, you came to us from Brooklyn, New York. Did you yeah. grow up in Brooklyn or did you grow up here? No, I am Minnesota made. Okay. So, <laughs> so you were like, I have to get out of here. I'm going to Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, I actually left here when I was like 17, went to college, and then found myself in New York in my 20s. And it was really crazy, but I loved it. Yeah. And I love the craziness and the hustle and bustle, the chaos. I was like, yeah, I found my place, you yep. know? And people, like, are more in your face. They're not as polite. They tell you what they think. You know, I was just like, this is a whole new world. Yeah. You know? Um, so I loved living in Brooklyn. It was really, that's like my soul city is Brooklyn. Uh, but then... I got a little busier. I, well, I don't know how much you want me to talk about. I want to tell you everything. Brooklyn. So oh, yeah. you started Thumbs in, two, was it 2012 in Brooklyn? 2012 in Brooklyn. So I was actually waitressing and I was acting, but obviously more waitressing than acting because none of you have been, ever seen me in anything. If you Google me, you've probably <laughs> never seen me in anything. Uh, but I was a pretty good waitress. and uh, Me too. For, it's one of the jobs I was the best at. Yeah. I mean, I really don't know what else I'd be doing if I didn't do, like the last job I had was waitressing. So I'm always like, okay, well, I could do that. If I Except here's where it gets weird. Like, so I'm going to be 50 this year. Mm-hmm. And I was a great waitress. And I was a good cocktail waitress. Yeah, me too. And I always thought, oh, I can always fall back on that. Until, like, right now, I'm like, God, I don't know if I could do it for eight hours. The hours, <laughs> the being on your feet. Yeah. Just the muscle strength. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I finally aged out of what might be my <laughs> ideal job. <laughs> Well, I feel like I maybe still have a prayer, but you know what's so funny is that one of the things that pushed me to actually do my comp to to like jump on the train of like doing thumbs cookies was I had a friend, Erin Harris. Like I wish she was listening to this. She would say to me, like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna be a forty year old cocktail waitress? She would always say that to me. <laughs> and I was like, well, Maybe maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I was like, Well, like I don't need to answer to you. Yeah, exactly. But like something about her always saying that to me, I was like I don't know can I be a 40 year old cocktail waitress like I hope so and so I don't know it was just funny like her saying that to me all the time I was like well what does that mean do I need to get my stuff together like do yeah I need to get my life together but like being a cocktail waitress is pretty awesome yeah all the cocktail waitresses out there I learned everything I need to know doing that like, me too right how to ask for the sale how to handle money mm-hmm. how to handle myself mm-hmm. just in terms of kind of the business world and a lot of the sexism and weird stuff that yeah. you face and Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of like toughens you up a little bit. I thought so. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you just sort of like learn to look people in the eye and be like, yeah, you're going to get a whiskey or you're going to, what are you going to do? Or stop <laughs> wasting my time because yeah, I got a I lot got, of customers right. here, pal. I got places to be. That's but, right. Yeah. 
So you're in Brooklyn in 2012, mm-hmm. and tell me the story of Thumbs Cookies for the listeners. So I, so basically, it's it really started in my mom's kitchen. My mom is Barb, and hi Barb. Barb is the best. Barb, she's adorable. She's really really cute. Um, she's a tiny lady, so she would make tiny cookies. Uh, my mom loves dessert, but she would always be like, "Well, people, I've just noticed people would eat a little bit." That's like what she always said. She's really cute. Everything she says is adorable. And um, she's like, so, you know, people were making this recipe. So the recipe itself was actually in like a Jewish community cookbook. Fun. And it was just like a shortbread cookie. And I think they were called cinnamon thumbs. But you were supposed to make them like bigger and in a different shape and whatever. But my mom, her thing was that she would make them really small. She would just like take a little bit and she would roll it in the palm of her hand. And they were these tiny things and she'd press it with her thumb like lightly. And literally like... My mom would do this at like five or six in the morning. She would do it for like special events, like if people had bar bat mitzvahs or like gatherings. She she like would always make this thing. This was like her thing. And she would hand roll them all and they were perfectly uniform. She didn't measure it just by feel. And then she would put them in the oven and then she would literally sugar them, like put them in a cinnamon and sugar mixture one by one and like sugar them one by one. Like so much care went into these. Yeah. And they were adorable. And she would bring them places. And I remember this neighbor saying to me, um, where are Barb's thumbs? Has anyone seen Barb's thumbs? And it like stuck with me. And so the thing is when my mom would do this, like you smell it in the morning, right? You like wake up and you'd be like, my mom's making cookies making the cinnamon thumbs, you know? And she would always be like, it would, it was like our time. Like she would be like, Oh, you're up. Do you want to come help me? You know? Yeah. Come here. Like help me. This is how you measure the flour. This is, this is how much butter you use. This is how you roll them in your hand. And like, there's something about that when you're like alone with your mom in like you get this time with her and it was like really cool. And I, my thumbs that I would make were always really lopsided and ugly, but hers were perfect. She'd be like, Oh, that's great. You know? Yeah. And like, you could always tell who did what. Cause hers were like perfectly uniform. I were like a mess, but I like got better at it. The precision of it and like knowing how to measure things. And like, then mine started to look really good over the years. So this is just kind of something I did with my mom. It was very simple, you know, but it was like special to me. And yeah. Like special, like something I did with my mom, whatever. So flash forward to like me in Brooklyn, it was kind of, I was there during kind of like the move, like it was right after the recession, everybody was making something. After 9-11. Yes. And well, it was actually more than after 9-11, it was really after the deep recession happened. Like So 9-11 I think was 2009, was that right? It was 2000. Maybe eight. Anyway, sorry. It was earlier. It was like 2003 or two. And then I moved there in 2004, but then it was like 2008 when everything, all of the financial things yep, collapsed. the market crashed. Collapsed. But what was so interesting is like everyone started to pick up the pieces and they all, st- everyone was like, I'm going to make something and I'm going to sell it. I Like cab drivers, like I'm going to go pickle something. I'm going to, everyone was like making something. I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah. everybody just kind of went back to the basics. And like every return, people were like, I'm making beer. I'm making this. I'm making that. And I was working in the restaurant industry, so I was surrounded by all these people that love food. And I'm, like, looking around, and I'm eating so many. I love cookies. I just do. I love them. I love any kind of them. I don't know. Like, it's my mission in life to try every chocolate chip cookie around. And so I would know all the bakeries in all of New York, and I would, like, go in and eat all the cookies. And it was just, like, I loved it, you know? And I, like, looked around, and I'm like, well, everybody's making something, but there aren't any tiny cookies. There aren't any cinnamon. There are no thumbs, you know? And I was like, wouldn't it be crazy if, like, who am I? Like, I'm not a professional baker. I'm not whatever. I'm like, well, what if, like, I just started making these tiny cookies and, like, calling them thumbs and, like, 
smelling of or something. Yeah. You know, like I'd sit on the subway and just think that. And then I was like, well, I'm not in any major motion pictures. I'm really not making it as a waitress. I mean, as a actress. But like, I don't know, like I'm a pretty good baker and I love cookies. Maybe I should just start making them. So I started making them. And I, my neighbor was a graphic designer and I was like, would you make a logo for me? And I told her the story, like my mom used to make these and like, what do you think? And she's like, she's crying listening to this <laughs> story. I'm like, well, okay, I don't know why you're crying, but maybe there's something here. And so I started making them. She made me this little tag with like my family photo on it. Cause I was talking about like how this was like bringing me back to my roots. Right. And I like started like to sell them. I just started to like talk about them. I went into like coffee shops and I didn't even know. I did not know how to like package it or what a case was or I mean I have no idea anyways people I think because it was like this moment where everyone was creating something it was really like the beginning of the makers movement and local it was like all of that stuff was just happening right and these buyers these stores were kind of like yeah okay what do you got this is new. Sure. I'll take a chance on you. And when you started, you have them packaged now. They come in either boxes or they come in the little Chinese um, food take containers, boxes. takeout boxes. Yeah. Did you always have them packaged no. like that? Oh, no. I, first of all, I was making them out of my apartment and like lying and saying I was making them my commercial kitchen. <laughs> so they'd be like, where'd you make these? I'm like, ah, commercial kitchen. And so I was totally making them out of my apartment and my roommate was like, what are you doing? You're trying to start a cooking company out of our, <laughs> our two-bedroom apartment? You know, and I'm like, yes, I am. And so I would go to these, I tried everything. Like I would just go to these websites and I found this like cellophane, these like cellophane bags yep. and I just threw them in there and then I like tied a ribbon around them and I had these like tags that looked legit that my neighbor made. Yeah. So it looked like I knew what I was doing. I was like, yes, look at these. And I remember I put them in these packages and I sold them to a little boutique store. I like did not know what I was doing. I didn't know about tax, nothing. Right. And I went in one day and they were like crushed. Like someone had like dropped them on the floor. Oh. And so there were like four of them that were crushed and they like had tried to like put them to the side. And I was like, this is terrible. Like I can't have my product out crushed, you know, like what do I do? And so, and then there was another time where I did another package and the butter had leaked through the craft. (laughs) And so the guy, the buyer was like, excuse me, we need to talk about something. You need to come in here and see this. And I like come in and like it had leaked through the, I mean, it was just like, oh, it was terrible. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And so there were like a lot of, I mean, it was just, it's crazy when I think about it, like how I would just like walk into a store that I thought was cute and I'd be like, here, like I have this product and has a tag on it. Like you should buy it. And then I like make up a price and they'd be like, yes, is that your wholesale price? They'd like say all these things I didn't even, like, what's your case? What's your wholesale price? What's the suggested retail price? And I would just be like, yes, $8. Yes. Bye. Yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) Yes, and then I call my sister, how do I make an invoice? Like, what do I do? I mean, it was just like, it was just so funny. I mean, all the stuff you do. And then, I don't know if I'm like telling you too much, but the other thing I started to do is I realized, okay, I can't make these in my apartment, like totally. So my friend owned a bar in the East Village, and we he'd be done making all the food at like 11 o'clock. Yep. So I was like, hey... I don't have any money, so do you think I could just come use your kitchen? And he was a previous employer of mine. I used to make coffee at his coffee shop, so sure. that's how I knew him. And he's like, I support you. Yes, just come <laughs> at 11 o'clock. So I literally would put, like, 25 pounds of flour and, like, all my ingredients on the subway, and I would travel to the East Village. 
and I would make he had a basement kitchen. So yep. I'd mix it all down there and then I'd roll the cookies out one by one and then I'd march up to the street level and then I'd go back into his establishment and then go all the way back to the oven and bake it. So I was like Cellar basement, mixing it, walking up to the street, then going back to the kitchen to bake wow. it until four in the morning because they were open till four in the morning. Right. And so then all these drunk people were like, what's that smell? And then they would eat them. And I mean, it was just like totally crazy. The things that you do, you know, yeah. when you start because you're just like desperate and like, what do you know? You know. So were you making money right away? No, I, I mean... My costs were low, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so in a way, I sort of was. But I was taking my waitressing tips and I would put in like $100 at a time. And I would just be like, okay, I'm going to take this $100 and I'm going to go buy ingredients and then I'm going to go make this stuff at the kitchen and then see if I can sell it at a store. And yeah, I guess I would. I would make like a little bit of profit, you know, because I didn't really have many expenses. Right. And then what started to happen was I was working. So I was working at a hotel waitressing. Mm-hmm. And I became friends with the general manager because I would wait on him and his, like, fancy people all the time. And he was like, what do you do when you're not doing this? And I'm like, well, I'm acting. But, again, you've probably never seen me do anything. (laughs) But I am also making cookies. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, I'm making these cookies. They're called Thumbs. My mom used to make them. He's like, meet me in my office, like, Monday morning type of thing. Like, we need to talk about this. And so I brought him in the packaging. And he's like, I love this. Let's, Let's place an order. So he placed, like, a big order. And I was like, <laughs> what um, next? Yes, How do I make them all? I'll be right back. And I call my mom. I'm like, mom, like, I just, you know, like, you know, I've been telling you that I've sort of been like selling cinnamon thumbs. Well, like, I really, I just sold a bunch. Like, and I called them thumbs. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you need to come here. You need to come here because I don't even know how to make a thousand cookies at a time. And she's like, I think you could figure it out. I will come if you want, but I don't think I need to come. So that was kind of like. Did he put him in his hotel? He put them, they were like VIP and amenities. Yeah. So yeah, he like brought that. He didn't even ask me like where I made them or like sure. any of the things that you probably need to know, but there was enough information on there. And he's like, and I need the story. I want the story on every package because people need to know the story. And so I was like, okay, so that's what happened. That was like one of my first legit orders. And then the coffee shop in the hotel wanted them. And like little by little, people started to want them. And then the Bedford cheese shop ordered, which was like, they're a really legit shop. Yep. Like foodie people go in there, you know. How often were you making them? I was. Ma- I started to make them like every week because I started to get into these little boutique shops yep. and I had orders. So the other thing I would do, I don't know if I'm boring you with these stories, but the other thing I would do is after my cocktail shift, you know, April Bloomfield was my boss and I like told her I did this later on. But I they had a basement kitchen at did the Did you Breslin. work at the Spotted Pig? I worked at the Breslin at okay. the Ace Hotel. So right. I, I was a cocktail waitress at the Ace Hotel. So I would go down after my shift and I'd be like, would you guys mind if I just use the kitchen? Because I have like a big order tomorrow. Tomorrow They're like, yeah, okay. So I go down to their basement kitchen and the chefs were working all through the night. Like the room service sure. would go out of there and stuff. So they'd be like, aren't you a cocktail waitress in the lobby? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm just making these cookies. And so I'd go down there and, like, mix it up. And then I'd roll the cookies one by one. And all these chefs would be these, like, overnight chefs would be like, this is so sweet, you know, what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, just trying to make some stuff on the side. And so, yeah, it started to just get more. It was, like, little by little over, like, two years. It just started to get more and more. You know, like, people were buying them at the stores 
I would get private orders. Someone asked me to do a wedding. Like, it was word of mouth, you know? At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. And did you stick to the same flavor that whole time, or did you start to expand into some of the other flavors? That's a good question. My mom's original flavor is cinnamon and sugar, or the one she would always do is cinnamon and sugar. And then I was like, I'm going to put some chocolate in there. So I started putting Mass Brothers chocolate in there because mm-hmm. I dated a guy who worked at Mass Brothers. So I was like, can I use your chocolate? <laughs> and, you know, I just I was like, it's cool, you know, whatever. So then I started doing that. So then I sold two flavors. It was the chocolate. It was like Mass Brothers chocolate chip and then the cinnamon sugar. And then the wedding, I made like these, they were dried apricot, pistachio, and cardamom. Yum. And those were like a hit. And I was like, huh. And then I I did this event called Taste of Thumbs out of like a Pilates studio. I was like, <laughs> I want to do this Mother's Day event. Oh, my God. This is like really bringing me back. This was There were so many like ridiculous things I was doing. But I was like, I'm going to do this event. And I rented out, or I didn't rent it out, it was free. It was, I was like, can I come in here to the supply studio? Right. I brought like, there were like 30 people that came and we set up like tablecloths and champagne. We got all the stuff donated. And I was like, I'm going to test six flavors and like invite all these people I know and they're going to have a tasting menu and see what they like. And so I like tested all these flavors and totally baked a lot of that stuff out of my apartment. Again, sure. I was like, well, I can't really like, you know, spend money at my commercial kitchen for this. Cause at the, then I was starting to rent out commercial space when I would get bigger orders. But you know, you like try to do all this stuff cause you're being scrappy. Yeah. And so I like pulled off this weird Pilates. My dad came to that. He's like, what is this? Do you need help in life? What is this? Where are we? Are we in an exercise studio? You know, what happened to my daughter? He went to college. But yeah, so then I started to like experiment and make more flavors. So when did you decide to move to the Twin Cities? That was 2012 that you're doing this in Brooklyn? Yeah. So I kind of was thinking like 2014, 2015 is really when I started to like explore the, like I, I started coming, I rent, I kept my apartment and I just thought, you know what? Like, I don't have any resources. I don't have a car. I don't have like, a, I don't have like. The people, all the people I grew up with, yep. I don't have the proper support that I really need if I'm going to really double down on this. And my big sister was like, you need to double down on this. You need to get serious. What are you going to do? Yeah. Are you going to be a 40-year-old cocktail waitress? Are you going to... Is it a hobby or is it a business? Right. What are you going to do? And I was like, I know if I stay here, it's so expensive. The rent was going up everywhere. Commercial kitchens were getting smart about the fact that everyone was pickling something. They were starting to charge more. And I just was overwhelmed. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to really make this work, I should probably just, like, go to Minnesota. And so I rented out my apartment, like, on Airbnb. And I came here. Like, I started going to farmer's markets and, like, trying it out. So I would, like, stay with my parents or I'd stay with friends. And then I decided I was going to come here for, like, four months. So I came here for four months. I, like, rented a place here and I rented out my apartment and I did farmer's markets. I did the Linden Hills farmer's market. Yep. And that was like the first time I ever was like, here, hello, Minnesota. Here's Thumbs Cookies. And it was amazing. Like my people, like my community came out and like supported me. And they had seen me, you know, for two years I had been posting on social media and stuff. Right. So people like knew about my company, but it was really amazing. Like people can't, like people I grew up with came out and they're like, 
I've been watching your Facebook posts. Like I've always wanted to try these. And wow. It's just like, oh, if they only knew that I'm like making them in like a basement sure. or whatever. But it was really cool. I was like, this is the thing, you know? And that was the Linden Hills Farmer's Market was kind of like my launching moment, you know? And then did you get a commercial kitchen here? And Yes. Like, it was kind of crazy because everything came together here that really didn't come together for me in New York, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it was a combination of just, I mean, really, it was, like, the people I knew. And there really were, this is such a great little, like, testimonial from Minneapolis, St. Paul, whatever. But, like, people really were, they just wanted to help me. Mm -hmm. They were just, like, like, one girl that I grew up with, her name's Michelle Horvitz. She's the one who runs Appetite for Change. Mm -hmm. She actually came to me and was, like... We're starting to run this commercial kitchen. I want you to be in it. Let's figure it out. Like, who had come to me in New York and said that? Nobody. Right. You know? So I was like, okay. So that fell into place, like, right away. And then it was so easy to get into a farmer's market. So that was just kind of like I knew I could sell there. Yep. And then just my community, like, people I knew started to say, like, you know, I could help you with this. I could help you with that. I could introduce you to this person or that person. And it was also exciting because, you know... I had sort of experienced the beginning of it in Brooklyn and sort of been through the sort of like food movement, maker movement that was happening there. Mm -hmm. But it was a little bit delayed here. Yeah. So So I kind of felt like it was an exciting time for me to land here because I kind of knew some things and I kind of knew how it was going. And so I felt like I had a little bit of a leg up, but I still had to kind of like, you know, understand the community here and like get in on the community. Like nobody knew who I was. Right. And so I kind of had to meet the food community, but it was all kind of like brewing. It was exciting. Yeah, you know? an exciting time. I, I actually love hearing the way that your story evolved. You um, are currently cooking out of, is it agriculture at mm-hmm. 50th in France? I mm-hmm. think that's so funny. Yeah. Do you know them? And is that how that? That was a personal, that was kind of like a connection. Someone from Kinder Kitchen where I was yep. as a Michelle. Um, and I want to give Michelle that shout out because she was so supportive to me in the beginning. Uh, but yeah, someone who I was with at that kitchen said, hey, agriculture on 50th and France has extra space and they're renting it out. They just need a few people. Would you be interested? And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. That sounds fancy. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And so at first I said no. And then I went and looked at it and I was like, how could this be? This is so beautiful. This is wonderful. Oh, this is wonderful. And so, yeah. So I landed there. Um Almost two, like a year and a half ago. How many days a week are you actually rolling cookies now? We're now doing it about five days a week. And we means you and did Barb come and practice her skill sets? So Barb, uh, like I try not to bother her with the baking part anymore, but she does come in when we really need people. But she's, you know, partly just like part of the face, I guess. Um, but she does help me with like packaging and she makes sure I get stuff out sometimes if like I'm getting to, she's more organized than I am. Yep. Let's be real. Um, but I, when I went to Kinder Kitchen, I hired this gal to help me who was a baker. Yep. And so she was hand rolling everything with me in the beginning so patiently. And so she was like my first person that I hired, I yep. guess. And she's still with me now. So, and then I hired another baker and then I hired a, Someone helped me with like packaging and turned into a logistics person. And then I hired another logistics person. So now there's like, there's about a crew of four ladies. Wow. Yeah. That's great. You really have expanded. Yeah. Yeah. And are you at this point um, taking any money out of your business or are you reinvesting in the people? I take out a little bit of money to help with my rent. Yep. 
Um, but a lot of the, most of the money goes back into the business. And have you, do you have like a business plan or an idea in your head of like, <laughs> when I get here, I'll give myself more of a living wage or whatever that would be? I know that I should. Yeah. That business You wouldn't plan be alone thing. in that. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. If this is a no judgment zone, I don't have a, I, I think I've always had a vision. Mm-hmm. And I think that vision gets more and more refined every year because now I understand, like, do you think I knew what a profit and loss statement was when I started? No. Do you now? But I do now. Yes. And that really matters. So I've gotten definitely a business education on the fly, and I've been very, very lucky to have a lot of people educate me along the way. Um, I mean, there have been some rough moments, but, uh, but yeah, I don't have a formalized business plan, but I definitely have a vision, and I always, every January, actually, I really figure out, okay, where do I want to be numbers wise? What are my other goals that don't have to do with numbers? Mm -hmm. Like, are there places I want to get my product into? Like, is there visibility I want? Is there just, are there certain ways I want to treat my quote unquote employees? Are there things I want to do for them? Like, and January is a really great time for me to kind of like do a postmortem of the year before and then figure out, okay, what do I want to do and where am I going for the year? Is it still fun? Yeah. It is. And I, it's still a thrill to tell someone your story and that you have your own company. and <laughs> Yeah, anybody who will listen to me. I mean, hello. <laughs> I just, you know, it's funny because I just still feel like, I still feel like I'm a waitress who's yeah. just kind of making cookies on the side. You Rob know? and I have felt like that my entire <laughs> life, if you must know the truth. We're just two waitresses sitting here doing It's that imposter syndrome where you're just like, wow, I can't believe they let me on the air. And in your case, I can't believe they're letting me bake these cookies and sell them to people and make money. I'm like, when is someone literally, I have, like, when's someone going to knock on my door and be like, Miss Frank, we know you've been faking it the whole time (laughs) and we're going to take you to the faker jail or whatever. Like, I don't know. I I can very much relate to that. I really feel like that. And I just, I'm always like, oh man, like, am I lying? Like, do I, you know, like, when do I become legit? Like, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's really fun. It's, you know what the funnest thing is? Like, it's so trite or whatever, but I always had this dream that people would say, talk about thumbs. They'd be like, oh my God, thumbs, thumbs. They would like say it without me knowing them. Like a stranger would be like, oh, thumbs. I love thumbs. Yeah. That was like one of my legit dreams. That was like what I... You know, when I had the visions, when I that didn't know the brand would stand was. alone. Yeah, that someone would just walk up and be like, thumbs. And like, when that happened, I was like, I don't know that person. Where were you when that, that happened? Do you remember? They were, oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't remember the first time it happened. But I know, like, gradually, I would just hear, and especially like young women that were like hip, they'd be like, oh, thumbs. I've had these before, thumbs. And I would be like, <laughs> <laughs> These are mine. Yeah. Tell me about is it is it pronounced Ross? Ross. Oh, Ross. Yeah. A S S. Okay. Worst name for a store ever. But what does it even stand for? Is it retail? I thought it's like it's a. Oh man, I should totally know this. It it's something like retail. Oh my god. That's okay. It's like, re- can you edit this? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it's, it's like something retail. retail. Uh, retail. Yeah, it's some acronym for experimental retail mm-hmm. that they're doing at the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. It's a Minnesota store for out now because like, I don't know the acronym. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So there are, I think, over, is it 48 20, vendors? There are 22 vendors. Okay, I thought it was more than that. So. I read a press release a while back that they brought all these Minnesota makers together. Mm-hmm. 
they're having a store at the Mall of America for the holiday mm-hmm. season. I, I feel like it's been successful. What yeah. has your experience so been? So just to back it up, even though I don't know the acronym, I know some other things about Please. it. Mark Gramazian really was sort of one of the visionaries of it, and he's one of the owners of the Mall of America, and they also own um, uh, Edmonton, Edmont- the Edmonton yep. Mall, and that's where they actually had done a larger arrest. So I think they had 40 to 60 vendors at the Edmonton store, and they still currently do. Uh, but the idea was that people, you know, People want to shop local. They want to. They want to see smaller vendors. But the mall is never representing those people. So Mark was like, "Well, why aren't we merging the two? Let's give these businesses that don't have a brick and mortar and they can't afford rent. Let's create a way for these an affordable way for these people to showcase their goods because yep. that's what the people want. That's what the vendors want. Let's bring them together. So that was really part of his vision. And then he tapped this woman Mitch, who locally knows a lot of vendors here. And she has been really big about putting these local market, like sophisticated local markets together. Yep. And so they kind of got together and created RAS here in Minneapolis. And do you pay like per square foot? Do you pay based pay, on number of sales? So they there was an initial fee, but it was a very like affordable fee. I probably can't say that what it is. Okay. But it was something that was approachable and then a commission on our sales. Okay. So you paid X amount to get into the store, and mm. then do they track all that through their POS, or do you have to track it? Yeah, they track it, and we track it. Okay. Yeah. And do you have to contribute? Like, is it a co-op? Do you have to work there? How does that work? No, that's that's a good that's a good question. I mean, it's a temporary. It was posed to us as a temporary situation no, mid-November through the Super Bowl, so that's how it was yep. pitched to us. And I think there is some talk of them extending it, but... There is. It is not necessarily a co-op. It's just we really kind of as a community have pulled together to do certain things. You know, like now we have someone who helps us with Instagram. But in the beginning, like Mitch was doing a little bit of the Instagram and all the owners were like even managing just like the bathroom. It was like, OK, how are we going to do that? So it was kind of all these business owners coming together and figuring out how do we manage certain situations together as a community. Mm-hmm. But there isn't designated responsibilities yet. Cause I think it's just sort of this temporary situation. Right. And now, but now because it has been, it has been terribly successful, I think for a lot of us, because when do you get that kind of exposure? Right. You know, if you're a little guy like me, it's like, well, how are people going to know I exist? I can't afford a store. And so being on like a national platform, like the mall of America, where you get all kinds of people coming in from different places it's been a really cool experience, you know, to to give my brand that kind of and to even be like, oh, you can go get my stuff at the at the uh, our little at the store mall. at yeah. the mall, you know, like that's kind of cool. Yep, be able to say that. And I wonder if that's a lesson for makers listening. Like, you know, let's hope that the Mall of America continues to offer that opportunity. But I don't know. Could you and eight people get together and do that at other malls? You know, is there a I guess you maybe would need to hire an operations manager to someone to put it all together and work no, it, but no, that's the thing that I, well, this is my scrappy talk, please talking or whatever, but I just think, you know, last year me and three other makers got together and did the Ridgedale. We were at Ridgedale, three of us for the holidays, because I really felt like, okay, this is the moment. This is the holiday moment. If anyone's going to buy a artisanal good, it's yep. going to be during November and December. How do we get in front of people? How do we get in front of large amounts of people with not a terrible amount of money and whatever. And so me and these three other makers just were whatever regular people went to the people at Ridgedale and we posed the idea to them. 
And we were we didn't know what we were doing, but we didn't have an operations person. We just right. went and did it. And I think that's just a really important fact and something for people to mull over that are trying to do their own thing. Just not getting scared of red tape, not feeling like I need someone more official to do this. Like you have a voice, you are smart, go and just ask the questions and negotiate because right. anyone can do it. And there's so much up in the air these days with retail yep. and the way people are purchasing. It's kind of exciting. It's like, well, what are the rules? Yeah. You know? And when did you start the subscription cookie business? Ah, the Thumb of the Month Club. Yes. I started doing that two years ago and just sort of experimenting. I didn't know how to do it. I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good idea, but like... When we first did it, it was a mess. That's kind of my theme. Everything I try at first is a total disaster, but it always gets better. You just right. got to keep going, you know? Just hang in there. With you it. just got to hang in there. And after you ship a couple of, like, crumbs that aren't thumbs, <laughs> you're like, okay, maybe we got to change this up. There were some old ladies that were mad at us because we did ship them crumbs. And I was like, okay, we're going to redo this uh, subscription thing. Uh, but that it was my idea to do it two years ago, and mm -hmm. then we refined it, and we kind of came back with putting it in a candy box. And now we have 12 flavors, so we're like, okay, well, perfect. We could do three, six, nine, or 12 months, and you could gift it to someone, or you could do it yourself, and you can get different flavors of thumbs right to your door. You and know? it's a subscription. It's real. It's yeah. really a cute idea. Yeah, it's been really fun. People And people like re-sign up for it, which is I think a good sign. Yeah. yeah. And I, it seems like a great corporate gift idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You wanted to do something that was a little bit different. Um, in your experience at the mall and your other retailers, are there other vendors that you are very impressed by? Like yeah. where you're just like, oh, yeah. that person is all that in a bag of chips. Yes. All the time. I, well, I know she's not a retailer yet. But I know you know Ashley Olds from Sweet Science. I do. I and love her. she's one of my heroes. Me too. Yes. She, I actually called her, this is so random, I called her from New York, from like the streets of New York, walking around because I wanted to make tiny ice cream sandwiches with somebody from here. And I got her name from like a connection. I was like, who makes ice cream? Who's like me in Minnesota? I want to make tiny ice cream sandwiches. And they gave me Froze Bros and they gave me Ashley. Yep. And I... Couldn't get a hold of Froze Bros. I called Ashley and like we have this conversation. I'm walking down Fifth Avenue and I'm like, do you want to make tiny ice cream sandwiches? I'm coming into Minnesota and I'm going to be at a farmer's market. And she's like, do you have a license for that? Who are you? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, you know, I just uh, details, details. details. Yeah, 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 yeah. But isn't it a cute idea? Anyways, we became friends. And we're it's still funny because I. OK, so I interviewed her for yeah. this podcast and I had that feeling about her like oh I want you to be my friend like right. you're really great right. and she was having a dinner party and I was like well why don't you invite me to come for dinner I just completely invited myself <laughs> and then I didn't hear from her for a few months and I was like oh just too much you know like all right I came on too strong and then she actually reached out and said oh I'm gonna have this dinner party She's and do you want to come you by the way no yes and then I couldn't come because I was traveling and but I always felt like there's, she just gave off uh, energy of some somebody I wanted to hang around. Yeah. She just seems like she knows what's up, you know? And, and she talked about um, joy making, like mm -hmm. making joy for people and what mm -hmm. ice cream does. And in some ways, cookies do that too, right? Yeah. And I have to say also, like, 
She Hi, says Ashley. that on the surface. Hi, Ashley. <laughs> Major shout out to Ash. Go eat sweet science. It's amazing. But it's really cool. Once you start working with other business owners, you really see people's true colors. And I have to say, yes, she wants to spread joy and all those things. But I called her because I freaked out because I didn't know how I was going to make a million cookies. Right. And she not only talked me through what I should do from a production point of view, because she's a really great production. She's a good producer. Yeah. She's like, you know what? My staff, I don't have as much work for my staff in November and December. It's slow for us. Do you want me to talk to my staff? Like, I would be happy to, to like, bring them over to you if they if they want. And I can't tell you, like, how generous that was of her to be like, my people are your people. Like, if they're down for it, I'm down for it. Let yep. me help you. And that was just, that was just one thing she did. There were so many other things. And I just thought, like... People that take the time when you know they don't have the time and they, they don't have the resources and they still figure out a way to help you, like, that is the stuff where you're like, you are impressive. Like, I hope I can do that for somebody else. I was just, right before you, I was doing a podcast with Lori Kroll from The Golden Fig, and she she does that too. Like, we were talking about all the times that someone calls us like, hey, can you meet with me just to talk about my product? Or can you, mm-hmm. I want to learn how to get into broadcasting, or I want to do podcasts. Can you meet with me? And, you know, you can't meet with everybody, mm-hmm. but you can meet with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And maybe you should, because there's something about the karma in the world yes. that spreads joy and spreads help and love and light. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a business. I sold it. I was successful. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. If I could help someone else have that same feeling that I had when we, you know, got our check after it was all said and done, why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. It's and that's what I think is unique about Minnesota and being in Minnesota. But it does require a certain person to ask, right? Yeah, it does. You have to learn how to ask for things and ask for help. You do. And I think you have to learn, like, yes, you have to learn how to ask. And you also, you have to kind of maneuver the right people to mm-hmm. ask. And I think people find each other. People connect. People that want to help each other. People that are have the same mission. You can't always tell on the surface. But once you start to get to know people, even in business, you really start to see how your values align with other people. Mm-hmm. And you want to work with those people because you're like, we have the same values. We're after the same things. Right. Let's let's do this together. Or And, and help each other because there's more. Um, mm-hmm. You learn more if you're able to share more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit when we talked about social media. And I feel like I ask everybody the same questions, but whatever. Everyone's <laughs> answers are a little bit different. I started to notice... I follow you on social media, on Instagram in particular, and I started to notice you and a couple of your cohorts like would follow each other, would retweet each other's items, would repost for each other. Is that intentional? And can you tell me about that as a marketing strategy? Yeah, I think it's like a feel good strategy and it's a marketing strategy all in one. Uh, they have these things called pods, and I did say this earlier. I'm a tech tard. I don't know if it's here to say that, but I am technologically just, it's bad, you know. But I somehow make it. I figure it out my yep. own ways. Uh, but, but yeah, on Instagram, it's sort of, it's definitely, as part of a community, you want to just repost and help people. And, you know, your people are my people. Let me just get what you're trying to say out to my people and do the opposite so that there's more cross cross promotion. It's always better. And then they started to create these pods where you could be a part of a pod. And the idea is if everyone's a part of a pod, you would send, you send your post to a pod 
And then everyone within that pod who's joined, like, let's say there's 20 people in a pod, then everyone comments on your post. And there's something about the algorithms that help with the posting that mm-hmm. bring your algorithms up. So that was kind of how pods started. Yep. But even before pods, it was just kind of like, you know, let's just promote each other. Let's just repost each other because it helps. Everything helps. Yes, it does. And yeah. the more that social media leans towards engagement and not just likes, mm-hmm. I think we'll be seeing more of that type of activity mm-hmm. and those collaborations, whether they're formal or not formal. Yeah. And I think it's just like what I was saying about aligning with values and business. It's the same thing with marketing and with Instagram. It's like, well, if I know somebody likes a certain nail polish and they're cool and they like maybe that kind of shirt, well, maybe they're going to like this kind of like cookie or popcorn mm-hmm. or, you know, like you, it's all about like-minded people and finding your tribe and finding your people. And I think Instagram is just another way to do that. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, if I like this thing, I might like this thing. And if this person likes this thing, I might like it too. And it's sort of, it's amazing how that works. So what is next for you? Oh, I don't know. Like, What am I going to do tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> so you're making lots make of cookies. cookies. Um, I think, you know, I'm really interested in... I am, even though this is where really I feel like my launching pad has been is really, I mean, I started in New York, but this is really where I've kind of grown into being like the cookie lady yep. uh, or, you know, having a cookie business. And I think I'm really interested in what's now going back out into the world, what's beyond Minnesota. So I'm kind of interested in like getting to some of the bigger markets and putting my product out there, maybe to the fancy food show. Mm-hmm. And testing the waters a little bit. Um, I'm also really interested in, I think this is a really hard, it's a it's a challenging time about where you're employed and how you experience the workplace and liking your job. Mm-hmm. And I am not the richest business. I'm still a small business, but I'm really exploring what it means to to really keep the people that you love and to incentivize them properly and... Try and get as much work as possible so that you can ha- that you can create a good work environment. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that's been on my mind a lot because I feel a lot of the girls that work for me are now part time, and you know I hear them talk about some of the other places they work, and I just and they always say they have a really great experience working for me, maybe because it's not full time, but I just feel like there's something about creating a really positive place, a fun positive environment, and I know it sounds cheesy, but it's like I you know. I being a waitress or whatever, I keep going back to that. But like there were some really painful places I worked yeah. and then there were some really great places I worked. And I've just been thinking like, well, now that I feel like I kind of do have like a real business thing going on here, wouldn't it be cool if I could create a really good environment for people to like earn money, you know? So that's just been on my mind. I just That's probably that. <clears throat> um, our first employee was right out of college when she started. And when we sold our business, she'd been married, she had had a child, she'd bought a home, and we had an, we had 38 employees by the time we sold. And I can't tell you how many people were on that journey with us from coming to us right out of college or just, you know, second job. And to be able to watch them have children, get married, buy homes, get a better car, have lives that were sustained by yeah. the ideas and the work that we allowed to happen. Mm-hmm. That was so rewarding. Yeah. And I do miss that. 
Yeah. So I think you're, it's not cheesy at all. It's the difference between, you know, making a, a product is important, but it's also the people that you're doing it with and why you're kind of in the business. Mm-hmm. You're wanting to make money, but if you can make money and other people can make money and you can lift everybody up at the same time, mm-hmm. it's just the best feeling ever. Yeah. So I think you're onto something. And <laughs> and as small businesses and as food producers, mm-hmm. you know, can we work in an environment? I, I think there's a co-op environment that could still work mm-hmm. where you take somebody like an ice cream business and you're really holiday driven. Someone else is very summertime driven. Maybe you share packaging resources or graphic mm-hmm. design or promotional product. I, I do think that there is something there mm-hmm. in a cool way. Yeah. Because it is a little lonely at times too oh, to yeah. be the visionary and you're if you're not reaching out and talking to other people about what they're doing, you're making mistakes that maybe you don't have to. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I just I I'm thinking about my husband was really good about always talking to people and asking them how they did things and what they did. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought, why are you doing that? You know, you're sharing our secret sauce and it's a competitive environment and you want to be more careful about. And he was like, Stephanie, nobody is like building rockets unless you're building rockets, right? We're all just doing the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We're printing ink on paper. That's not anything magical. Right. So why wouldn't I share what I can Get the knowledge that I can in return and save myself, you know, all the headaches that come. That's so true. Because really the only people, I always say this to people, like people do ask me, oh, how did you start? Like other people that are trying to make something. And I'm like, don't listen to your relatives. Don't listen to anybody. Just listen to people that make things in the food business. If you want to start a food business, because they know, they know it. Yep. Nobody else knows it, you know? So like, it's an amazing resource to meet other people that are doing the business. And it is funny how at first you're like, (gasps) Can't tell anyone my secrets. Yeah. But then you're like, well, I mean, who's really going to go do what I'm doing? I mean, and, and if do it they the way do, I do it. Like, more power to you. The yeah. world is a gigantic place. Right. Exactly. And there's room for lots of people in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um, I agree. Robin, it has been a delight to talk to you. I wish you lots of success with Thumbs Cookies. People can find them at thumbscookies.com. Mm-hmm. And you can buy a cookie subscription, which is pretty amazing. You can find her at the Mall of America. Um, you're also, I know you're at Golden Fig, right? Mm-hmm. And you're also at Certix. Are there mm-hmm. any other local retailers you'd like to? Uh, we just got into Kowalski's as well. Excellent. Yeah, you can find us at all the Kowalski's. I, I, you know, we talk about them a lot, but shout out to Kowalski's and oh, their team. Amazing. They do so much for mm-hmm. local food producers in the Twin Cities and have given so many people their start. They're just an amazing local treasure. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for being here. Yeah. At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. An F-16 pilot having hydraulic problems with his aircraft managed to parachute to safety as the plane smashed into a warehouse east of Los Angeles. Fire Captain Fernando Herrera. That pilot landed in the uh, March Air Force Base area. In the base itself. Amazingly, there were no serious injuries after the plane hit the building. Alabama executed a man last night for his role in killing four people after an argument over a pickup truck. 
Tennessee executed a man who killed his wife. Reporters couldn't see the execution, but AP correspondent Travis Lawler says... We could hear sounds, uh, including a singing that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson's attorney says was him singing a hymn. Answering a reporter's question, President Trump said he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran. Mr. Trump has dismissed suggestions that any of his advisors are trying to push him into a conflict. I'm Rita Foley.